Alexa, what is the best podcast in the land? Here's pulling back the curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. This podcast is sponsored by Sumato Coffee. Sumato Coffee believes that coffee should be unique and high quality from bean to cup. Beyond that, it starts to become stale. At Sumato Coffee, they're incredibly concerned and transparent about when your coffee is roasted. That's why they put the roast date right on the bag. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners receive a 20% discount off their order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit them at sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people, and what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with the rawest opinion while giving you the straight-up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. I'm Press. We give sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. happening what up with it what you know good and what it do we'd like to thank you for tuning in and spending your time with us you're listening to pulling back the curtain podcast the most provocative and entertaining podcast in this pandemic land we're hitting you with the dopest topics the rawest opinion while giving you the straight up facts that's right no fake news here i'm jewel st james yeah press i'm Novak. we're giving sight to the blinds ladies and gentlemen on today's pod we'll be pulling back the curtain on Episode seven eight from ESPN's Last Dance documentary, fellas, what's popping? What's good, man? How you guys doing? I'm pretty good. Oh man, I'm living clean, man. That's that's what's up, man. <laughs> I'm living clean. <laughs> you know, it, it, at least it's somebody is. There's <laughs> only one way to do it, Jules. You got to wash your ass in the morning. Only one way to do it. If you don't do that. <laughs> You know, for some for some reason, people got a problem with it. But uh, you know, feeling clean and wash my wash my booty is. It's really <laughs> <laughs> hope you ain't, hopefully you ain't using joy, you're using real soap. <laughs> oh man, y'all hey, y'all man. silly, y'all silly man. Y'all see uh, y'all see Mike Tyson uh, training the videos. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that, man. You know, I still got to say for a 53-year-old, I still think he beat the hell out of a lot of 40-year-olds and 30-year-olds. You know, people making fun of Mike, and they know they wrong for it. You know, to think about it, if he hit one of them, they still going down. Yeah. he. I, I actually – I got scared when I saw him uh, hit that, that bag, man. I was like, dude, that, that guy's 53 years old, and he still has that type of speed, you know. It's crazy. Man, Mike ain't never – I don't think he ever stopped. He just – God bless him. What are you trying to do? 
You need more money for drugs, man. <laughs> Damn. I, th- I thought he was clean now, man. Come oh. on, man. He fighting for that rock right now, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh, damn. <laughs> he said he for drugs. <laughs> man, you, he, uh, I thought he, he started a weed, he started a uh, weed resort. It's all go. Yeah, he he smoked it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he got oh, that weed man. resort out there in Nevada or something. <laughs> That's what you think, man. That whole resort gone. <laughs> and then oh. sticks and stems, man. <laughs> He's so, so, so who are we going to fight, Holyfield? I don't know, man. Holyfield got a bad heart. I don't know how that's going to work out. He might die in the ring. <laughs> this dude's too old to be, you know, going five rounds. I mean, I heard talking about doing bare knuckles uh, boxing, man, right now, which would be oh, interesting. That would be interesting. Oh, but you know what, though? George Foreman, didn't he fight in his 50s? Yeah, but you know George. It's been five different versions of George. There was George with hair. <laughs> there was George with a little bit of hair. <laughs> there was George with the grill. And now it's George with all the kids. So there's been a million different versions of George Foreman. Man, and all and all his kids was named some sort of former George, wasn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. real that's real messed up, man. That's an ugly name to get. You know, Georgina, Georgette, <laughs> Georgie. And what is this? Georgia. Um, <laughs> I, I guess it's 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 easy to remember. I guess. Nah, he can't that's actually kind of true. Kids. That's actually kind of true. <laughs> you know, he probably number one. Come here, <laughs> <laughs> you over there. You grab <laughs> that grill and make yourself a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Oh, oh man! Oh, I, had man. To, I had the one you could take outside. That thing is wild, man. The one on the pedestal. <laughs> It's pretty lazy. Maybe might get a real grill. Novak, you you always was changing the game. I, I never. I had that nineteen dollar one, man, for like the longest time. That one was yeah. trash, though, because you know every everything you was cooking on there was just like coming out. It was like the burgers were all dry. I'm like, this thing is terrible. <laughs> you didn't spray no water on it. Was that one of the? Was that one of four inch grills? Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, did you guys know that uh, Hulk Hogan was supposed to do that grill? But he turned it down. Uh-huh. Why? Because the grill was black? Or what was it? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Oh, man. Wait. Oh, man. Hey, man. Say it. Oh, man. You hear the Hulk song playing in the commercials while you back, while you while you watching the grill commercials? I'm a real American hero. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, it'll, wow, be bologna, it'll, be, it'll be number bologna sandwich on that thing. You got everything. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> you got everything about no host bar right now. Big <laughs> <laughs> <Take> old Zeus. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my man. goodness. Well, man, let's shout go. Out to, shout, shout out to you, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, something like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> shout oh, out to you, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I still remember. I still remember WrestleMania three when he slammed when he body slammed Andre the Giant. Yeah, he was right since then. His back looked real bad after that. <laughs> so, oh, oh, my boy Jules is a Hulkamaniac over here. He got the shirt and the bandana on right now. <laughs> hey man, I'm ripping. I'm ripping my shirt right now. There you go. <laughs> I'm ripping it right now because we're about to get into this uh these topics. Lady Joe, he's gonna rip his shirt. He's gonna throw that mug. That mug gets thrown tonight. 
Hit that turnbuckle. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Wait a minute. Let me finish drinking this this diet seven up again. Man, I still think Ultimate Warrior was better. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely better. Definitely better. Well, and, man, man, we fellas, should talk about that. On, well, we should talk about that on the pause one uh, on the cat podcast one day. I, I think we shall. I think we shall, sir. Yeah, I think, well, you, I, I, I think we might have stumbled upon something with that. I, I agree. We could do that. I just picked up that WWE app, man. It's wild watching those uh those old WrestleManias. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, man, let's let's get into the episode, man. So we got episode seven and eight of the Last Dance. Jules, what was your favorite moment, man, from these episodes? Oh, you know what? From episode seven, I really like uh, Craig the reporter for asking Jay Krause about. <laughs> 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 he asks, are you surprised that the team has stayed together and the chemistry has been been that good with all the backstabbing between you and coaches and everything else? I was like, damn. Did you did you see the way Jerry Cross looked at him? <laughs> hey, he looked at him like, you mother. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, and, and so, so Jerry was like, you know, how can you say something like that? No, these guys are professional and stuff. And that was a stupid question you asked. But that was the whole – that was it, man. He walked out at that press conference. I mean, rightfully so. He got the downplay because it was the playoff press conference. They trying to gear up to go for that uh, last uh, championship. He come up with a question like that. Even though Jay Krause been saying stuff throughout the season, well, this is Phil's last year, and Mike said he ain't playing for another one. So the, pretty much everybody knew the, 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 you know, the game's about to get broken up after this season. But that was my favorite one. Uh, and then Jay Cross left out and, and one of the other reporters <laughs> said, thanks, Craig. Well, yeah, because that was in the beginning of the interview. He, he could have waited to the end and hit him with that bar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good, man. That's yeah, pretty funny. I still think, uh, yeah, it was, it, was a pretty, it was a pretty good documentary so far. I mean, my, my favorite moment pretty much is just watching Mike just sit there and describe, you know, how far he had to go to win. It's pretty hilarious. Like when he said, my mentality was to go out and win at any cost. I sat there, I was like, wow. And, you know, I can relate to that because I think a lot of times when you play a sport and you're in that certain mind state, and you want everybody to think, think and feel the way you feel. It's tough, you know. What I mean, in that situation, it's tough to like have a situation where everybody vibing on it pretty much. Uh, you know, Mike was just in his own special world. Just the way he looked into the camera, the way the passion. You know, pretty much what I really enjoyed about the episode because you got an idea of what the crazy was like. A lot of people don't understand what it takes to get to that level because they don't have that drive. I mean, Mike, Mike's drive is almost like a serial killer, like. You know, it's like he taking everybody with him. And, you know, and he put the balls on his back for years. And he finally, you know, got to the point where he understood the form how to do this every year. No, oh, man, you're you totally right about that. And when you look at that that type of approach that he had uh, with his teammates, with the GM, he didn't care who it was. The guy wanted to win. Mm-hmm. And if, if anybody around him wasn't uh, on the same page with him, Mike was going to be super hostile with them. So, I, I mean, I respected it 100%. I think for me, I liked the moment where uh, Gary Payton, you know, had the nerve to say that he somehow slowed Mike down, right? And then when oh, they yeah. showed that to Mike on the on the laptop, and I swear to God, Mike is he's a walking meme, like because he's had so many moments from this documentary. I'm like, Mike, that's gonna be a meme for the next twenty years. But the way he looked at that laptop and then he let out that laugh, 
<laughs> Bro, that shit had me dying, man. He was like, basically, what did he, he say? He said, I had no problem with glove. Like, yeah, that was no it. Problem. He said, no problem. Because <laughs> I think Mike, in that moment, he was like, I have more things on my mind than that. I mean, you got to think about that. He was probably weighing the the, the uh, heaviness of his father, you know, had been passed. It was mm-hmm. close to Father's Day. Uh, we saw in the documentary with Mike when he won that title on Father's Day and that emotion that, you know, that came out of him. I mean, that that moment, man, that, that kind of – that hit different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel yeah, yeah, he was kind of out of his – you know, basketball is the least his concern. You know, you could tell when he was out there playing against the Supersonics. He was engaged, but he was in another place. And you could see it like, you know, Gary Payton tried his hard to be, hardest to be a distraction, but, you know, Gary's smaller, not as strong, you know, not as fast in that situation. I mean, he was quick, but it's just been quick and fast in that situation. Mike was just overpowering him in the post. I mean, Gary's past, you know, Gary's very, uh, Gary's very pesty. You know, he's always on you. He's a, he's a touchy type person. I was just waiting for Mike to turn around and give him a Steve Kerr. I was waiting for it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing I would say about Gary, man, he he definitely uh, he he didn't back down. When we see a lot of those people that defended Mike in this documentary, you saw that those guys feared him. You know, not only his teammates but the opponents. They they feared him. And when you look at guys in the league now in this buddy-buddy era of the NBA, you don't have anybody that guys, like, just fear. Like, the last one I would say we saw like that was Kobe. So you see that respect and that fear of Mike all at the same time. And that's why this documentary has just it's been so awesome to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should, it, will, it should win some awards, baby, because it's well put together. And we got one more. We got two more episodes left. Yep. It's well put together. They fixed the trivia a little bit because I was able to actually get one right yesterday, so I was kind of happy. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've been, you know, I've been harping on that trivia. No, it was uh, better. Yeah, right. I thought so too. I thought so too. Uh, so you know what, you guys, we, we talked about briefly about Mike and you know, you know, the, the Gary Payton matchup, you know, and the Bulls winning that championship uh, on Father's Day. Another moment that really kind of hit me a little bit in that documentary was listening to Mike talk about his relationship with his father. And they had a very close relationship. Seemed like his father was the one that was able to kind of keep Mike grounded. And when Mike, you know, lost that person in his life when his father, you know, was murdered and Mike, you know, left the game and, you know, went on to play baseball. What what were your guys' thoughts when you saw that moment in the documentary? Well, I, well, I thought uh, Mike. Uh, well, Mike described his father as his rock. You know, his voice of reason, and uh, you know, he always chose. You know, drove him to challenge him. I thought that was, uh, you know, speaks volumes on the relationship that them two had. They was buddies. It was it was inseparable. If you see Mike, people say you see Mike, you see you see James. So with him, with James, unfortunately, you know, man, that that you know, when James get murdered. That was I, I I I can't even imagine you know how Mike was feeling or what he's thinking and going going on at that time, but he when he picked up baseball he said they talked before they talked what I think it was a year before uh, before the season I, I believe and they already knew they talked about Mike was going to retire Mike said he was going to retire and play baseball, but first he wanted to uh, 
you know, take take care of the dream team and then take care of getting the third third championship because Larry and, Mike and Magic never did it. So he was already geared up to say, hey, you know what? Let me pursue my dreams and stuff and try to give this baseball a try. And his father gave him all the blessings and said, hey, go ahead, go for it. I thought that, you know, I thought that was cool. It was, I, I, I ain't had no problem with it. He, he did whatever he had to do for basketball and he want to try something different. Hey, I think anybody should be able, if they want to do that, if that's what they want to do, they should go ahead and do it. No, oh, I, I agree. agree. Yeah, I, I agree too. You know, what, what you got, Novak? I agree. I mean, you know, it, it was, you know, it was like surreal watching that moment again, you know, what he went through, you know, the, you know, the funeral, you know, the days that led up to he's missing and they found the car and all other stuff. And then seeing the emotional mob shots face, you know, he's one of those stoic people in history. So to see him about to break down in that situation, you knew it was serious at that point because, you know, you know, Bobby, <laughs> Bobby don't show no emotion. And, uh, <laughs> It was just, you know, it was something really interesting to see. I mean, to see even Larry Jordan make a cameo appearance. You know, there's a, there oh. a lot of emotion going on. <laughs> you know, Larry looking like Michael's uh, daddy at that point without the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it, it was pretty nice. It was, one of the takeaways from that funeral scene, what was one needed Jordan? <laughs> you know, there was one needed. I didn't see no one needed in that, in that scene, if you notice. Oh. Yeah, you know, yeah. Her. <laughs> Her. She, she, she was, she was there, huh? You know what? She, <laughs> she, she did make a cameo on the, on the doc, though. At the retirement press conference, yeah. that yep. was it. <laughs> yep. That was, that was it, pretty much. I mean, we saw Marcus, and, we saw Marcus, and um, and what's the name? Where we saw her? <laughs> Be honest oh, with you. Marcus and Jeff. Yeah. No, no Jasmine and no, uh, no Juanita. No, nah, Jasmine's still in the sack at that point. But you know, she's on her way. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> you wild over there. You wild. It's still in the sack. <laughs> you know what? So I, I was I, I was thinking about that, right? So <laughs> that that you know, the whole situation with Mike had to go through with, you know, with his old man. You know, so one thing I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. That was a different time. I mean, his father was missing for nobody had heard from him for like well, it was like days, right? Yeah, it was what was it ten days, something like that? Yeah, something like that. I mean, you if somebody don't hear from you now for like more than thirty minutes, they ready to you know, hey, you okay? You you good? <laughs> you know, it's just so right. different, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't man. know, man. Yeah, I ain't get that, man. It's. It's unfortunate. You know, this robbery just, he robbed him. He was pulled over. He was coming from a funeral, I believe. And he pulled over to take a, uh, you know, take a nap, which, you know, at that time, I, I wouldn't do it now, but I think at that time he should be okay. But, uh, you know, two guys, uh, Daniel Green and, and, and Larry uh, Martin DeMary, you know, they, they're the ones who, he robbed them and, and shot them. And, you know, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, Take them out, and the good thing about it, they they caught them boys because they was they was using their cell phone. Yep, they was using their cell phone, and they, and, and, they was, they and, they, and they were flashing Jordan's gears. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, that's just too. Hey, you would think, all right, I give you, I give you the white boy, but you think the brother would have some, you know, with new new better? Like, wait, man, it's James, it's Michael Jordan's father. I mean, I don't know. You 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 would think, okay, you you guys are in, in what? They were in North Carolina. 
This guy's in this expensive-ass car on the side of the road with the vanity license plate. I think I'm going to let that car go. I don't know about y'all. You got to at that point. I mean, they, you know, they took on more than what they could chew at that point. I mean, I think that they didn't realize who it was until, like, it was too late, I think, at that point. And that changed changed basketball as we know it today. I mean, that pretty much, you know, gave Mike an edge. He gave, him an edge, gave more edge to Mike than what he already had at that point. Exactly, right? I mean, so, you know, we, we had that situation with, with Jordan losing his father, uh, which prompted Mike to, to leave the game. And, you know, it brought forward Scottie Pippen basically becoming the man with the Bulls, which, you know, turns to that situation with Scottie with the 1.8. Jules, talk to me, man. What did you think about that? And did that put a hit on Scottie's legacy uh, by him protesting in that, in that moment? You know what? Hey, Scotty should have. Scotty was the leader of the team. He was killing. He was. He had a good. He was having a good season, a good run with it. He was, you know, saying talking to talking to other teammates and encouraging them. He, he even said in the documentary that hey, everybody loved coming to practice now since Mike gone. <laughs> he had to crack that whip. He wasn't. Mike wasn't beating up on people, so everybody loved coming to practice. And you know, and other teammates was, was describing Scotty as a more of a you know you know. You know, soothe and you know, talk to you. Hey, everything's gonna be all right. Uh, that's cute, that's cute, Scotty. It was, so, it was, it was, it was cool, by yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I think going back to the um, was it that, that Nick series? Yep, you know, this is they was out, they was down 02 facing elimination, right? Yep, mm-hmm. so for the leader to he not going in because the play wasn't going to him, he was taking, he was inbounding the ball. And Phil came up with the play that Tony that they run all the time, and Tony's been been hot. So, no matter what, that's the coach. He he draws up the play. Now, if you don't like it, hey, you run it, and you talk, hey, you talk afterwards about that. But for him, for even Scotty said himself that he was hot. But if they would know the ball was going to you, Scotty, if you was getting the ball. I would think they would double down on him. You know what I'm saying? And it was a good thing they draw that play because uh, who was sticking on Tony? Was it was it Mason? Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't. Rem, I don't remember. I don't remember. I think it's either Mason or Charles. Uh, or Mason, somebody, whoever it was. Who, who cares? So he. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that it, it luckily worked out the way it did, but um, but like you said. They went down to they went to that locker room and everybody was just upset because they was like, man, how can Scotty, the leader of the group, just just say he ain't going? And then Phil said, well, F him, man. So, so I I think uh, I think Scotty should have went ahead, played you know played the game, did what Phil dropped what Phil Phil dropped up to play, you know, saying play that play that 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 that, that scheme that you have and and going with it. I don't think it would. I don't think it's a stain towards Scotty, because like I said, Scotty been a man. He's been a man. He's been a man for a long time. Even when Mike was there, like I say, after Mike, you have Scotty. Scotty's the number two in 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 in, in scoring, but but first in assists and rebounds and all that stuff. So I don't think it's a stain. It's just one of them things. Hey, you know what? I was I was in my feelings, 
I I was in my feelings and I didn't want I didn't want to go out there and stuff like that. He he was apologetic. He was sorry. The team forgave him stuff like that. And everybody, you know, they even they took they took that to a game. They went to, you know, the the, the uh, you know game seven or whatever that is. So it's it's not a stand on on Scotty's uh Bulls career. Well, they were they were one foul call away from going back to the finals. Yeah. Right. Right. So after that, they gathered together and they played like they played like a team. So it's funny how things things happen, and you get okay. Let's get back into perspective and let's let's do this thing. So like you like you said, prayers. They it was one foul away from going back to the finals without Mike. So that's that's big. It was huge. I mean, I think you know, in terms of like, I think Scotty. The problem with Scotty is that. Scotty did like Scotty had a lot of controversial moments as a Chicago Bulls player. I mean, you had the I waited to get surgery and the season started controversy. You had yep. the I didn't want to go back in, you know, you know, because the play wasn't drawn up for him. But the way I look at that whole play situation is you wouldn't do that to Mike because Mike was you know, Mike was more respected in that situation. Scotty seemed like he was always fighting for respect in that, you know, in that, you know, in that regard. And he never got it. So Scotty, so they kind of saw Tony Kugler just like the the heir apparent at that point in time. That's before you know we knew Mike was coming back and everything. They had moved on from Scotty in that situation, but they they hadn't told Scotty like a man in that situation that we're moving on from you. And Tony Kugler is the future. You know the reason why Cross went to Europe is because he was rebooting the dynasty. He's gonna get Tony. He's gonna put players around Tony. They were gonna move Scotty at some point because they were not. They were never gonna pay Scotty. In that regard, there was no intention to give Scotty the money he wanted, you know, and that's just what it was. I think that um, I think his image is his image is taking some hits. I mean, I still think that you know, on the positive side, he probably was the second best player in the NBA for a long time, and nobody noticed it. I mean, if you think about it, like Tony Kukoc said something really important today on one of his interviews on TV. He said that Tony, he said that Scotty Pippen. What Scotty is doing today is what LeBron is doing today. Scotty did it years before LeBron. He gets the ball, he gets out in transition, it takes off. And if anybody, you know, you, if you watch the game of basketball, it evolved. You know, the triangle basically put new life into Scotty's body as a basketball player. What LeBron is doing pretty much is mimicking Scotty Pippen. And I never noticed that much until I watched it, you know, this, this documentary. I'm like, oh my God, he's more Scotty than he is than he is Magic at this point. But Scotty was a better defender. That's the difference there. You know, Scotty was an awesome passer, you know, in that situation. And he started he, he started up the fast break on demand pretty much. And Tony could do that too. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of intro, a lot of interesting playing styles came out of the out of the Bulls dynasty years, you know, with these players today. No, I, I agree with that too. You you both brought up really good points. One thing I wanted to chime in on when it comes to Pip with that whole situation, when when Mike when Mike left and Scotty took over, it seemed like his teammates rallied around Scotty. Uh, when you heard uh, Steve Kerr talk about basically the fact that yeah, they liked Scotty, he was their favorite teammate, favorite one of their favorite right. people, right? Yeah. So right. Yeah. that that was a telling comment right there because you could see that those guys were hurt when when Scotty made that decision not to come back into the game. And the way I look at that, I agree with you, what you said there, Novak. There's no way Phil would have drawn up a play with 1.8 seconds left and have Michael inbounding the ball. That was not going to happen. 
And so I saw part of why Scotty was he Scotty was offended by that situation. Um, however, Tony had hit some game with his shots a couple of times during that season. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's why Phil felt comfortable with drawing up a play where Scotty would inbound the ball to, to, to Tony. Scotty was the best passer on that team. So I feel like they felt confident in the fact that Scotty would be able to get the ball to Tony in a position where he would be able to get a shot off. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that I thought about with that, about that situation was the way that Bill Cartwright was in Scotty's ear on the, on the, on the bench. He was letting Scotty have it. And then they said how Bill Cartwright had that emotional moment with uh, Scotty and the team after that game. Me personally, I think that Scotty not only let down his teammates, but I think that that's going to be a stain on his career that he's never going to be able to uh, let go. I mean, you even heard what Mike called Phil up when it happened and just said, damn, he said, I don't know if Scotty's ever going to live that down. That that's That's a true statement to me because – a lot of times people, when they think of Scotty, they still talk about the 1.8 second reference. So that's tough. Well, uh, see, see, the thing is, that's why I said something like that should have been handled after, after the game. Scotty should have just – Scotty should have never sat. He should have did what Phil wanted him to do. Because truthfully, if Scotty wanted the ball, they would have doubled down on Scotty. I don't think he would have took the shot anyway. Because it, I, I don't see – I don't – let me think. Was Scotty was Scotty just shoot over? Well, I, I think it was a better. I think Phil called the right right call, right play. Yeah, well, I mean, you, said, you, you saw Tony drained it, so you <laughs> right, right. So he shouldn't have went away. He shouldn't have showed that. He shouldn't have showed that hand in front of everybody. People saying, "Oh, Scotty is not coming in." This and that. He should have went, did it anyway. Inbound the ball, draw wherever, however Phil drew it up. Execute it, Tony drop it, and then uh, Scotty talked to Phil afterwards. He shouldn't handle it like that. He shouldn't handle it the way he did. And then he said, if he can do it, if he would, if it happened all over again, if he relive it all over again, he would do the same thing. Now that right there, I was a little confused about because I thought he would say he wouldn't have um, done it. He would, he would have did what Phil wanted him to do. Yeah, but he but, do, he doubled down on it. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't. Yeah, I know one thing. I thought I thought Scotty was gonna. I thought he's gonna beat the hell out of uh, Bill Cartwright because he was <laughs> Scotty. Scotty was looking real, real mean, and and Cartwright was right in that ear. <laughs> well, you know, I think I think what, I think Bill was telling. Him, I wish I could be on the floor because <laughs> at that point in time, <laughs> <laughs> right? I was like, man, I'd be out there. I'd kill to take the, be out there to get the rebound from the last shot from Tony. That's what Bill was telling them, man. You can look, you look, the look at Scotty's face is like, man. If I ain't taking a shot, I don't want to go out there. I think that, uh, I think that with Scotty, the thing is, you know, there's a lot of pettiness in that situation. I think that, you know, I don't think the Bulls situation was perfect for him in the first place, but I think he could have handled it better. I think right. that, but right. I think, but I also look back to being an athlete in that situation. There's times that I didn't pout it like that too, and I could definitely tell you what it's like. I mean, I think that. Sometimes, you know, when you're talking egos and you're talking emotions and lack of maturity, sometimes you're going to pout because there's going to be times where you might not necessarily agree with who's on the floor. You might not agree with, you know, where the ball is going in that situation. But I think he had earned that respect to be the best player on the team at that point. So he felt disrespected. And I think that disrespect basically, you know, carried, you know, carried with him the remainder of his Bulls career. 
And I think that's what happened to Scotty. I mean, I think he could have handled it differently, but, you know, when you're in those situations and you're doing controversial shit <laughs> and you're being an asshole, you know, you don't think like that. You think in terms of me, 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 me. And that's what Scott, Scotty had a me moment. He had a lot of me moments, to be honest with you. You know what, uh, Novak? That is true. Well, the one thing I'll say this. So, obviously, uh, Scotty's teammates had a ton of respect for him because they probably looked at him as he was the ultimate team guy, right? right? He sacrificed a lot of his game to play next to the greatest player of all time. However, I think Scotty, once he became the guy, I think then he thought, hey, you know what, Phil? That play should be drawn up for me. I'm the guy on this team. I'm going to make that shot. And I still think that he probably still was offended. He didn't handle the situation properly because he undermined his coach and he quit on his mm-hmm. teammates. You know what I mean? And it's funny because you got Jordan. He's retired playing baseball, but he's watching that game from the locker room and he's calling Phil up. So Mike's keeping a close eye on what's going on with the Bulls. And that that, can, that scene kind of cracked me up a little bit. Well, also – Think of it this way. That's what Mike's role was in that team. Mike was a leader. Scotty was never a leader. And that's what the issue was. Scotty was more of a uh, – he's rhyming to Batman at that point. Now, if Batman was there, this that would have never happened. Scotty would have never been put in that situation. And I think that's why Jordan was upset and angry. He's like, I left my little brother at home <laughs> out there to fight for himself, and he had, no, he had no way of dealing with it. I don't think Mike gave him the lessons to be a leader at that point because Mike was calling the shots. Scotty was just riding, just riding shotgun with him the whole time. Mm-hmm. But you know what, though, he he should have learned from from watching and observing Mike and the way that Mike moved, how to navigate and handle a situation like that. Because, like what Jules said, he he should have probably just inbounded the ball, let Tony do what he had to do, and then I think maybe had a talk with Phil after the game and just say, "Hey, man, next time, draw that shit up for me because I got mm-hmm. you." You know what I mean? Because the way yeah. I look at that. When Mike's making that comment, I feel like Mike was looking at that from the distance like, I think these guys need me. So Mike's out there playing baseball and, you know, trying to, you know, figure his situation out. And one of the things that I I thought when I was watching that documentary was that's pretty damn impressive for a guy hadn't played the game in 14 years and he just says, you know what, I'm going to play baseball. And they put him in double A ball and he was actually pretty solid. Um, I'm going to throw this back to you, uh, Novak. Looking at that and looking at some of Jordan's stats, you know, while he was playing baseball for those 18 months, do you think he would eventually uh, got called up to the majors? Yeah, because he had the work ethic. I mean, Jordan, Jordan's a dog. You know, dogs get better at what they do over time in that situation. I mean, even at his advanced age, which still wasn't too old, you know, considering, considering the fact that you're talking about the world's, you know, the world's greatest, you know, basketball player, probably the world's best athlete at that point in time. I mean, you think like I mean, Mike. Mike would have got called up. I mean, and just think about it. If there's no, if there's no striking baseball, he's on the World Series team. The, the White Sox going to the World Series that year. And the oh, spring, that 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 team was loaded. They were loaded. I mean, they were going to the World Series. I mean, what happened is they just, you know, he had to strike. Mike saw what was going on with the work style, but she went back to baseball. So you got to think the baseball guys were having to strike to send Mike back to basketball. Because him getting locked out, he would have made it. He would have made it to the next level without a doubt. I mean, it just—he worked too damn hard. He's one of those people that he was going to prove everybody wrong. He's reading the comments. Reporters are taking shots at him. He was just waiting for his moment. 
Yeah, I think um, it, uh, Novak, I'll just echo off what you say. Yeah, Mike, Mike is that dog. And with his 202 batting hours, that, that season he was hitting 202 and driving in 50 runs. That's, you know, uh, you know, coach was saying, man, that's pretty impressive for that's pretty impressive for a guy who only, you know, who haven't played since he was a kid. And you get players that have been playing all their lives is not doing that. You know, so that was, man, you know, that was pretty, that's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, I think he, he would go to the majors. And I think you may be a good, uh, good, decent baseball player uh, because of Mike's work ethics. His, 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 uh, he's headstrong. He's, he's consistent. He's always batting. He bat, you know, he'd be in that cage early and then after practice. So he he's just gonna get better, better and better as as the game keep going on. Like uh, Novak said, hey, thank the baseball guys that the uh, uh, or basketball guys rather that baseball get canceled because he came back and you know the rest is history. No, I agree with that a hundred percent. I I think the thing when I look at Mike when he was playing, you know, a lot of people they tried to clown Jordan. I mean, you saw in, in the documentary where they that Sports Illustrated had the uh, the cover that they put him on, and they they were trying to clown him, right? And yeah, they said he they said he was an embarrassment. Yeah, exactly, right? Mm-hmm. And so, if you look at those stats on surface, you could say, all right, well, these are average stats. However, though, if you look at it from the way that it sounds like we all kind of look see it. These stats for a guy that hadn't played the game in 14 years, I mean, that goes to show you not only his worth ethic, like you said, Novak, but the guy's instinct to be great, right? Because hitting a curveball and trying to hit a fastball, I'm sorry, but whenever I go to a Sox game and I've been there in that damn tent trying to hit those balls and I look stupid every time I'm, like, swinging and missing, and you see what this guy did just straight from playing basketball, I mean, that was pretty impressive to me at least. I mean, he retooled his body to be a baseball player. I mean, because, you know, basketball is more shoulders, shoulders, arms, you know, core. Baseball, you know, no disrespect to baseball players, but I think they work out differently. You know, just like football is different. A football workout is different than a basketball workout. I mean, you you create muscles that you don't use in uh, baseball that he brought over from basketball. So I I I think it was pretty impressive to change his whole body in the course of like 18 months. And almost get called up. He would have got called up if the strike never occurred. I mean, he was getting there because he had he was totally retooling his body at that point. And and on top of that, uh, Novak, uh, when they had him up at the fall league, he was hitting mm-hmm. two fifty in that league, and that league is where <clears throat> we see more of your top mm-hmm. prospects. Yeah, yeah, a couple homers up there. I mean, he was you know he was he was he was, he was getting he was getting guys getting runners home. I mean, he had a nice he had a nice gun down at the plate. I mean, Mike was not a bum, you know, baseball. It's just that if the guy played baseball at 18 when he played basketball, he would have been a Hall of Famer in baseball. Whatever sport he played, whatever he does in life, he does well at. He hasn't lost anything yet. You know, well, I take that back. I mean, being the owner of a team has been challenging because the mm-hmm. problem with him is he can't find enough savages around him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The championship right now, they don't have that. You know, guys are friends right now at this point in the league. So he's got to find players that basically he can relate to. Russell Westbrook's as well. He's got to get a Russell out there in um, Charlotte in order to make a difference. Yeah, he's he's got too many uh, platoons on that team. You know, a lot so of rails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, another thing when I think about Mike with the whole baseball situation, why I think that he would have been called up, let's just be honest. The economics of, of the game, and let's just and also think, think about who owns the White Sox, Jerry Reinsdorf. Yeah. So he was going to call Mike up because that would have been a cash cow for the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They had just opened up uh, the new Comiskey in 91, and the luster of that park wore off after a couple years. So their attendance started to dip. So I honestly think that, you know, you had 94 come around. If it weren't for, you know, what happened with baseball with that strike, they would have called Jordan up. I think he would have been a solid reserve outfielder for them. But could you imagine that park would have been full every day for people to have a chance to see Mike play? Well, I agree. I agree because the problem with with New Kaminsky is that you know, there was so much sadness you tore down Comiskey Park, you know, that New Comiskey was in the shadow of Old Comiskey the whole entire time, you know, that the park was there for they tore it down. I mean, a lot of fans left and never came back <laughs> based on the park. Yep. You know, so, I mean, the thing with the White Sox is that tearing down that park and building New Comiskey, they needed something to create new memories. Michael would have definitely created those new memories. Uh, you you absolutely yeah, right about true. that. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. Yeah, to echo off you, uh, Prez, uh, Mike is a cash cow. You know, when he went to uh, Barron's and, and, and they was like, dude, we ain't never seen people saying we ain't never seen nothing like that to come to a uh, double A, was it double A ball? Yep. And it's sold out. You got people outside the gate taking pictures and get a number of reporters. Everywhere you go, it's just, he's just money, just money. So, yeah, he would have went up to the majors. He would have sold out every night. So, yep. so, yeah. And then on top of that, too, you got to think about it as well. The improvements that he made, everybody said in the beginning, you know, like, okay, they could tell this is a basketball player trying to become a baseball player. But they said over the, overnight, they saw him becoming a baseball player. And I thought that was a huge quote. And also, Frank Kona, his manager, basically said with a 1,500 at bats, he think that Mike would have been ready to get called up. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty huge. And then my favorite moment with Mike with baseball, you know, I'm a huge Sox fan, was watching him in that uh, Crosstown uh, exhibition game where he hit a, a double at Wrigley Field. Like, that that was huge. Mm-hmm. That was impressive. Yeah. So, it's, a, it's, the smallest park in, it's the smallest park in the league. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a base hit. That's a base hit in the set. Well, guaranteed rate. That's a base hit guaranteed rate right now. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. So I mean, you got to think about what Mike was doing out there was unheard of. I mean, the only other guy that I could maybe even give credit to for something like that would be Tim Tebow because he hit 270 in double-A ball. But Tim Tebow also had played a couple years in the minors, so. I still think what Mike did was pretty much we, – we're not going to see something like that. Could you imagine any of these modern-day guys stop playing basketball and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to play baseball or I'm going to go play football? It's, it's not going to work, you know? No, right. No, I, I don't see that. Right. I mean, nobody's got that drive right now. I mean, Curry could probably stop and go play golf. <laughs> he, probably go, he could probably do really good on the PGA circuit. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, he could definitely handle the golf world. That'd be like LeBron going out and being a wide receiver or tight end. And you know that guy don't like contact. So I can imagine what that would be like. The NFL would be too aggressive <laughs> for him. You can't think, flop uh, out there. 
I think the only person I can come to mind is that boy from uh, who's that? Who's that boy? Who that uh, quarterback for Arizona? Oh, you talking about Kyler Murray? Yeah. Yeah, he played baseball, didn't he? In, uh, yeah. College? Yeah. I think he probably about the only one, you know, offhand. Russell, Russell will oh, play. Oh, that's right. He played baseball too. Mm. I mean, we did we draft Russell? I mean, who who drafted Russell? Uh, I might have been the Sox. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I know, but I know that Russell would have made it. Clay Thompson, you know, Clay's brother played. You know, play, Clay's brother plays for the Sox. I mean, God, they said they, you they talk they about said, Trace. He, he yeah, Trace. Man, he was trash, dude. He struck yeah. out more than anybody I've ever seen in my life. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> so Clay was better, huh? They said Clay played baseball too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, Trace. He he struck out in the brother Olympics there, cause man. <laughs> All the DNA went one way. Man, <laughs> only one way. So it just didn't work for him, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Go that away. Yeah, but no, it didn't work out <laughs> at all. But man, so I mean, it sounds like we all kind of feel the same way about Mike and you know just his killer instinct and the fact that we think that he might have been able to have been a pretty successful baseball player. So that that's really that's really good. So when we're looking at episode seven and eight. Uh, I'm going to throw it over to you, Jules. What do you think uh, the most savage uh, MJ moment was? Because there was tons. Oh, man. I think and for episode seven, the most savage uh, player, let me see. Let me think. Because, yeah, it was tons of them. Probably. Oh, man. Let me think, man. Uh. Probably pushing um probably pushing Scott Burrell, maybe. Oh, so like in practice? Okay. Yeah. That, that, you know, because, you know, because Scott was, you know, he was talking, but Mike was like, yeah, all right. So I guess Scott, and wow. Mike was trying to really develop Scott and, and bring that dog out of him, but he was, he was like, he was like, uh, Scott's just a really nice, he said he's just a really nice guy, and he Scott, couldn't, he Scott, just... Scott. Scott's a U-turn He just like uh, yeah. that, you know, like serious, you know, that work ethics and 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 and, and being serious and stuff like that. But I like to see, uh, I like I like to see when um, when Mike was really trying to try and develop him and talk trash to Scott. Well, he he sure like calling him a hoe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And then Scott didn't right. So Scott didn't do. He just. You know, he just one of them dudes like, yeah, what you know, whatever, you know, laugh, ha ha. He shrugged it off. Right. Couldn't be me, man. No, nah, he he built different, because I don't know about that one. <laughs> what what you what you had no back? <laughs> I think I think I think you think about it. I mean, it was kind of, it was funny. I think I think what he did to Scott Rail was just, you know, as a as a grown man, I think you gotta say, no, you're not doing me like that. You know, it's like you're just not gonna disrespect me like that. I mean, I definitely, I definitely agree with Jules on that. That was really messed up. You know, when you think about it, I think for me, my most savage, my most savage moment probably was the the legend of the Bradford Smith. <laughs> oh yes, oh, yes. oh right, man, right, right, oh my God, man. I remember at Louisville, he was trash at Louisville. So the thing about it is, this guy got to the league and had a really good game against Mike, and then, and then you know, and then Mike. Mike looked at him like, really? Everything this guy's throwing up is going in. So Mike went out and hyped himself up. And they had that home and, that home and away series. 
So they played him at home, and then they flew out the they flew out the next night, and he torched them. <laughs> yep. I mean, he did that guy. I mean, that was probably the most savage moment for me because it showed that anybody any given night can, you know, basically can give you a sucker punch. Now think about another sports like boxing. You got a bad night in boxing, you lose the belt, right? Mm-hmm. You, have, you have a bad yeah. night in baseball or basketball, you get another night to come back and kick somebody's teeth in at this point. So I think that Mike did a really good job of showing you who he was. You know that guy was a bum. He didn't care if he was a bum. I'm still going to show you this guy's trash at that point. He came out yep. and destroyed him. And that's probably the most savage moment for me. You know, that's to other things that transpired. But to see him retaliate on a no-name player, he's like, I'm not going to let you get famous. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, my grandma said, what not has-beens around here right now? And he was a he was a he was a whatnot and a has been. So Mike came out there and destroyed that man's career. He probably right now married with kids, never talked about this moment. You know what happened? <laughs> yep. Hey, that boy, he scored thirty. Hey, Mike scored thirty six points in in, in in one half. In one half. Mm-hmm. He was on his way to eighty. <laughs> he would have got to eighty. Man, you ain't hear you ain't hear of uh, the Bradford Smith ever again after that game. Who? Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh. He maybe got talked about again. <laughs> no, not at all. You imagine he sitting at home, didn't know he's gonna be in this documentary. You know, oh damn. <laughs> Turn it off. This sounds like this sounds like daddy, isn't it you? <laughs> that, that was me when I was young. <laughs> what happened the next night, Daddy? He got in my ass. <laughs> yeah, I think for me. Uh, the most savage moment to me, and and, and the, one of the reasons why I just love Mike so much is he wanted to win, and he almost wanted to win at all costs, right? So he was tough on his teammates, but I think one of the quotes that I really liked from the documentary was from Will Perdue, where he basically said Mike wasn't going to ask his teammates to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. And I think that that's the ultimate sign of a leader, right? Because mm-hmm. You got a lot of people out here in this world, they, they'll try to tell somebody, do this this way. This is how you're going to win at life. But they've never done anything or they've never won, and they're not doing any of that and living that example themselves. So I think for Mike, he walked in and he talked it, right? So it's a lot easier for people to follow you in that sense. So his savage moment to me came when, in practice, he made an example out of Steve Kerr. Now, Steve Kerr stood up for himself, right? He he he. he dipped on Mike in his chest, and then Mike had to hit him with the two-piece, and Mike got sent home to practice, right? But I feel like in that example, what Jordan was doing to Burrell is the same thing that he was doing to Steve, but he got a reaction out of Steve where he couldn't get that reaction out of Scott. But he was always looking for a way to sharpen his teammates and make sure that they were ready for battle. And the the silver lining that I took from that moment was the fact that, yeah, Mike, you know, he was an asshole. He, he dipped on his teammate. But I think that they formed a more respect for each other, right? And they became closer. And in that moment, I think that's where you saw the evolution of that team kind of even gelling, even becoming more cohesive, right? What, what do you guys think about that? I agree. And also, you got to think about the fact that he made Steve Kerr into a champion. He also taught, you know, Steve took that DNA from Michael and went out and went to the Warriors. And yep. one, you know, so you know, thank Michael for hitting Steve in the face. There would be no Warriors dynasty at this point. So I mean, yeah, Steve killing, he killing Cliff Wars now. 
<laughs> when you get that moment back when he didn't get hit in the face. That's what that is. He, he's reading that moment every night. He's like, that man hit me in the face. Come on. <laughs> and he definitely took it out on that clipboard, didn't he? God damn it. <laughs> Fake tough guy. He breaks the clipboard. You know, no one in the Warriors is even scared. <laughs> no, not at all. But what do you, you know think? What? What do you think the players in the Golden State right now are saying to, are saying to Steve? They already know he probably got hit in the face, but they never had confirmation. <laughs> now they got confirmation. Can you imagine what they're doing to him in the locker room now? I oh, mean, you 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 know Drake. You know Draymond gonna bring that up uh, at some point next season when this season come back. Drake goon. <laughs> but see, like, the only the only thing Steve got now, he he, he hit him first. That's <laughs> that's the only thing he, he can say. Yeah. Hey, listen, I hit him first. That's true, because nobody else stepped the mic ever. Right, mm-hmm. but like to piggyback what you said, Novak, that created a beast in Steve Kerr because Steve Kerr without him, you wasn't winning two of those uh, championships because he, right. ga- he, he was hitting some game. He was hitting them game. He was hitting them game winning on uh, 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 buckets there. He was scared. <laughs> oh damn! Hey Steve, I tried to help you out, man, but my man, no back then. <laughs> if you if you missed if you missed that shot, it's round two and three. You know, you saw the thrill on Manila. How many times did Ali and Frazier fight? Think about that. <laughs> yeah, three times. Yeah. Oh damn, Steve, I tried to help you, Steve. Man, nah, ain't damn. No, ain't no, ain't no, ain't no helping that. That was that was just straight facts right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey man, I tell you what, he did a good job under pressure shooting and making sure that thing went in. <laughs> yep. He pressed that this man every day and pressed. I got hit this shot. That man coming back. He gonna hit me again. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. You it's know just, what? One of the funny things at the interview when he uh, when he said to Mike, he said. Uh, he said, uh, basically along the lines of like when people, you know, see this, you know, they're going to say, you know, he might not have been the nicest guy. And I thought Mike's uh, rebuttal to that was like pretty, uh, pretty on spot. He said, well, that's you because you never won anything. And I think that just goes to show a little bit more of that killer instinct that he has. You know, he, he's not really worried about what people think about him, or what they thought about him. He was in those practices. He was in there, you know, getting in people's faces challenging people. I mean, we're never going to see that type of level of just what he all encompassed ever again, I don't think. No, in this offense world, let me ask what you know, these players who have sleepovers and paint their toenails, that's all over in that situation. I mean, it's a different world. I mean, if you think about how LeBron leads compared to how Kobe led, how Mike, Mike leads the team, it's totally different. I mean, I'd rather have the guy that comes from me than the guy that stabs me in the back. I just feel that, you know, be a teammate of certain certain people in the NBA today, you got to be prepared to get stabbed in the back. I think Mike ain't stabbing nobody in the back. Neither was Kobe. They just didn't like you. They didn't like you. They thought you were trash. You were trash until you hit a shot. You hit a shot and you get, you move from trash to respectable at that point. And I think that's the way it should have been. But, you know, the issue t- with today's game is that everybody wants to be a buddy. And I can't. that's the reason why it's so soft. I mean, they don't, you know, you can't guard nobody. Everybody's friends. They have a steak together. Mike had a steak with you after he killed you. That's a big. That's a big difference in that situation. And I didn't took your money playing cards after. Took your money playing cards. I mean, like you know, they go up there and play the you know the cheap games with BJ and rest them on the front of the bus. And I think that um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> dollar blackjack, dollar blackjack. You know, that's a waste of my time. I mean, 
Yeah, you're taking everybody's money. Yo, playing for four quarters up there. He said, I just want your money in my pocket. I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's some soul-taking shit there right there. <laughs> you know, you know, your money is good enough to go in my pocket, even though it's not a lot of money. That's evil, you know, when you think about it. <laughs> but I think, you know, the other evil I really liked is the fact that, you know, when he went out to B.J. Armstrong in, in Charlotte, uh, B.J. was feeling really good about life that game. Hit a few little jump shots. He was feeling himself, wasn't he? He was feeling himself, man. He ain't, he ain't felt that good since he came in the league. He had a couple of jumps. I, I just know how they think. I, I, I can he said them. he knew. He, he, see, he said he knew how they play. I know. <laughs> Lies. Lies, B.J. <laughs> B, B.J. hit like four jump shots, and he was letting everybody in the world know he hit four jump shots. I think he hit that white powder before he came out. He had a couple of jump shots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, cocaine is you know, cocaine's a hell of a drug, man, BJ. He oh, just, man. You know, he gave Hello, a real BJ? He gave he a real Rick James. He snort lines? He was no. snorting lines before the game? Lines of hope, man. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, BJ. Look, well, you looked at that Charlotte team and who they had on there. He looked around. He was like, man, he said, I, I ain't got nothing for these guys. Man, nothing. No. When that when that down with the king came on, I was like, "Oh my god, here it come!" <laughs> yeah, that, that was hey, a wrap. Hey, look, BJ scored twenty seven points, like you said, just like the uh, LeBron Smith uh, uh, player in Washington. <laughs> look, BJ has twenty seven points, and he over there, he was he, he was having a good ass game. He screamed at Mike and the and the, and the Bulls and the players and uh, bench and stuff. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Mike really took that. I like really took that personally, and that was it. A beach. I think he the next game he only scored two points. Right. Yeah. You you saw him, you saw him sitting on the bench looking like somebody stole his uh stole his bike. Uh, he's like somebody put him out the house. That's what he looked like. But <laughs> you know the crazy thing is I remember I remember somebody else got into it, Mike. I think I think it was uh, it had to be Gary Payton. I think during the regular season I saw one of the Bulls games that year, the championship year. He told Gary, keep talking that good shit. And I was just like, wow. And the way he said it, and Gary's the ultimate shit talker, but when Mike addressed Gary, Gary's like his son at that point. I mean, he did he put him he put him in check. Like, keep talking that good shit. And you know, I remember I remember at that game seeing the look on Sam Smith's face. He was just like, I should probably put this in Jordan Rules too. Mike's a bully. <laughs> but you know, but you know, you respect that in that regard. I mean, no, BJ. He got he got his little heart ripped out of his chest and stumped and stumped on. He thought he was doing something. You know, he probably that night he probably went home to his girl, his family, whatever, and beat his little chest. And the next <laughs> and the next and the next game, he kind of clipped that boy. He, he you know he neutered that boy the next game and set him on the bench next to his coach. You know, he should you know he shouldn't have did that. Running through the tunnel, screaming like a, screaming like you don't want a championship. Come on, man. Well, I, Mike, Mike reminded BJ that he went to Iowa, so he's like, "Man, calm that down." <laughs> no, he reminded he reminded him that he was a second tier player. <laughs> <laughs> oh he was like, man, he was as valuable as my socks, boy. <laughs> I put them on in my shoes and I wear them out. That's what he did, pretty much. That's funny. Well, so one of the things too, when you look at that that team. So they went on to become the, the winningest team, you know, in that era for wins of the season. They went on to win the championship. So basically greatest team of all time. So then, you know, we fast forward and we look at present day. We had the Warriors who were 73 and 9. 
So when you look at these two teams in these two eras of basketball, I'm going to kick this over to you to kick it off, uh, Jules. Of these two teams, if they were to match up with each other, who will win? You know what? I'm going to give it to – let me think. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take me a while to, to answer this. I'll give it to the Bulls. Okay. Only reason, be, only reason because we get the greatest player on earth with the greatest role player in Scottie Pippen and with the baddest defensive player there is, and that's Dennis Rodman. With the hey, – hey, wait a minute. Who's going to be the coach for the Golden State Warriors? Kerr. Oh, okay, so we're just going to kick Kerr out? Oh, man. Okay. We can kick him out. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, I still give – I give it to the Bulls because what I just said, we got Mike, we got Scotty, we got Dennis, and we got Phil Jackson, a.k.a. the Zen Master. We going – I will say it'll go six games. We'll win six, uh, six two. I, I don't. So even you say so you say bulls. You so you say bulls in six. Yeah. Okay. What you got, Novak? I got bulls in five. And I'll tell you why. Scotty versus Kevin Durant is much watched TV in that situation because well, so KD wasn't on that squad. He was on that. Okay, you're talking about the no, he wasn't on okay. that. The okay. 2015. Yeah. Oh, it's the first championship team. Yeah. So that was that was Harrison Barnes. Oh. Okay. Oh. Oh. Whatever. Hell no. Four. Four. I got four. <laughs> I got. I got four. Now, if KD was on the team, I'm talking five, six. Yep. But but you're talking like 15, 16 Warriors. That ain't even right. That's child abuse. I mean, at that point, I mean, can you think about it, Mike? You know, there is nobody in that backcourt that can guard Mike. I mean, Clay Thompson. No. He, he, he. I like Clay. But Garden Mike is, is totally different than Garden Kyrie Irving or Garden J.R. Smith. You know, he ain't seen nothing like that. You know, it might make him get his life together. He might never tore his ACL if he met Mike early in life. I mean, uh, Stephen Curry, he'll get his. You know, he's going to line up whatever he put in the backcourt. There's no doubt about that. You know, maybe, you know, well, Ron Harper is in that backcourt. So, you know, it would have been, been very interesting because, you know, Ron, Ron was still a very good defender at that age. And his he advantage. sure was. And I think that, um, you know, if you think about Harrison Barnes, who? Scotty, Scotty's going to kill Harrison. Harrison Barnes is going to disappear like he disappeared in the series the next year. He would <laughs> he'd be irrelevant. He wouldn't even, it'd be like, he, he'd be like, why is he getting a paycheck at this point? I think Phil out coaches Steve. Mm, Phil, yep. you know, Phil, point blank. I mean, you could put Mark Jackson on that bench and get the same result. It don't really matter at this point. They sweep him. They look, it looks pretty. Great shooting exhibition. Curry's getting dunked on a few times. Curry's going to hit some big threes. But, you know, it's going to make him a better person. You know, when you get your ass handed to you like that, you're going to become a better person. That's all I can say about it. You know, they might get it the next year, but they're going to take, they're going to take one for the team and get Durant the following summer. No, I, I definitely agree. I think when I think of this matchup, it's three things that I want to hit on. First thing, the Bulls, they, they finished, right? So they they not only were they 72 and 10, but they won the championship. So we saw the shirts 72 and 10 don't mean a thing without the ring, right? That that right there, that's number one. Number two, the Warriors were up 3-1 in that series, and they allowed Cleveland to come back. They didn't close them out. When does Michael Jordan and the Bulls ever not close out a team? It's never happened, right? Never. And then my last point, Draymond. He's a head case. Dennis Rodman would have had that guy 
in his feelings, Draymond would have gotten kicked out of pretty much probably every game. He would have been suspended like he was suspended in that series. I mean, Rodman would have committed mental warfare on that guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not even getting to the point of even talking about the fact that the Bulls not only had the number one offense in the league at the time, but they had the number one defense. So not only were these guys scoring points, but you had Mike, Scotty, and Dennis that was locking people down because they were all first team, all defense. And Rodman was second team. Exactly. And Tony so, Kukos just fit into it. Exactly, right? There's no answer for it. None at all. I mean, so you think about that with Steph. You know, Steph, great shooter, probably arguably the greatest shooter of all time. But Ron Harper would have got physical with him, would have bodied him. I don't know how much Steph would have been able to have more success in a, in a matchup against against uh, Ron Harper. He would have smothered him. He would have smothered him. They would have probably switched. They probably would have put Scotty on him to close our games. And they probably put Ron over Harrison Barnes, who ain't giving you no offense anyway. And, you know, they probably tried to put Draymond on Mike on the perimeter. They would have tried to pull that magic, that magic egg, and he would have ate Draymond alive. <laughs> that is so true. Also, another point, too, look at the coaching staffs. So, Golden State that year, they had Kerr, they had uh, your boy Luke Walton, and they had Ron Adams, who came from the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Solid, solid coaching staff. But when you think oh, of yeah. that Bulls coaching staff, you had Phil and Tex, both. Hall of Fame coaches, right? Mm-hmm. And you had Jim Cluggins, one of the more underrated coaches and probably should have been a head coach. I, I still don't understand what happened with that. But, I mean, that, that coaching staff right there from top to bottom, I mean, they had Jimmy Rogers on the coaching staff. I mean, that coaching staff right there, experience and just basically just expertise. I mean, you're not touching any parts of this team from the Bulls starting lineup to their veteran bench and then that coaching staff. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you guys got anything else? Oh no, we hit on we hit on everything. We hit, everything. We hit on you everything could, on that one. Yeah, we on all that. agree. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead, Nove. You could they couldn't touch him at that point. I mean, I forgot about Jimmy Rogers, and you know he came over from the Celtics. Yep. So he, so he he had a championship pedigree to start. And he saw greatness. You know that guy saw Mike put 63 on him, so he was there. <laughs> so he he you know he witnessed greatness. Yep, exactly, man. So it's interesting, man, because a lot of times people, you know, they forget, right? So a lot of times, you know, it's been, you know, God, almost 30, 30, what, 35 years since the the Bulls, uh, you know, had that record-breaking season. And so, you know, you saw that Warriors team and, you know, everybody saw Clay and and, and, uh, and Steph splashing three-pointers all over the court. They're like, this is the greatest team of all time, right? But how soon they forget? Because you got to look at that. This is a different league. You know, they wouldn't have right. been getting all those shots off against this Bulls team. No. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. But are you playing like with today's, like you playing with today's rules? <laughs> <laughs> today's rules, you're probably shooting 50 free throws. Mike is gonna, and Mike's going to average almost 45 a game in the finals or 50. You can't right. guard him. No. And then on top of that, you got Tony coming off the bench. Who, who's who's on that who's on that Warriors bench that's gonna do something with him? I mean, Iguodala, he's he was he was solid. I'll give him his due, but I think Tony still would be able to get a shot off on Iggy. Iggy's a poor man, Scotty. Without the you know, Iggy always been a great player. It's just that he's Scotty Pippen without you know without the ability to be vocal or just set out games. And you know, Iggy always got paid nice. He got paid more than Scotty. 
to play the game of basketball, and they're expecting less out of them. Yeah, for real. For real. Well, man, fellas, I mean, this this episode seven and eight, I mean, it was very emotional. I mean, when I when I look at that that lasting, you know, image of Mike, you know, after he won that fourth title, and I mean, I've always seen that audio, I mean, the, the video of Mike being emotional, um, but the audio, man, and it, hearing him openly, like, cry, I mean, dude, that, that shit kind of hit me a little bit, man. I, that that was a very touching moment um, in that documentary, and wow, that was a powerful way to end that, that episode. I, I think it was a very emotional episode, uh, to me, at least. I agree. I mean, what it was is, you know, you got the audio of what was really going on in that locker room. I mean, we just saw him shaking, you know, but it was it was an empty cry. It was like you could tell that what he was doing, he was finally at peace at that point. With what you know, with his father's passing, the gambling, the gambling drama, going to baseball and coming back, he was at peace. Mm-hmm. I agree. He was able to. Re- he he can, he took a breath. He can release. He can release from all that stuff, and it just just let go. And he and he was and he was good. He was good after he had all that on his mind, on his shoulders and back and stuff. And and once he won that that chip and stuff, and he was able to exhale. I, I that that was that was something to see, man. Like you said, Prez, it was it was emotional. It definitely was, and like I said, uh, he wasn't worried about no Gary Payton. You know, you could tell in that moment that, that was bigger than Gary Payton and big, bigger than anybody else that was uh, around him in that moment, right? He wasn't worried about the men. You know, the, you know, you know. I, I never saw him as a glow. I always called him the maiden. Uh, the maiden is who he is. <laughs> he talked to the game. I mean, I respect, I respect the talent. But you know, I think it'd be awesome going up against somebody like that every day. You know, just talking crazy. It brings back memories. <laughs> Everybody got one. Yep, for sure. Well, man, fellas, I mean, this. I feel like we we pretty much uh, hit on all the the main points of this episode. Uh, Novak, I'm going to turn it over to you, man, when you can hit our final segment, the curtain call. What you got for us? One of the things I want to say, I want to thank Nick Anderson. Uh, shout out to Nick Anderson, you know, Semi-Eyes Finest, for waking up a sleeping giant. In the 94 series, Nick stated that Michael Jordan was in 45, wasn't the same as Michael Jordan at number 23. And that started a whole lot of drama. I mean, I think Mike was somewhat trying to find his way back, and I think Nick gave him the push to go back to the dark side. So, you know, I blame, you know, I blame Nick for his own demise in that situation. You know, Nick is responsible for single-handedly awakening Mike when bringing him back to the, to the throne. <laughs> I think Mike was content with just playing the game of basketball. He's still the most competitive guy out there, but Nick woke him up. Um, I think that, you know, that, that comment, you know, basically drove jersey sales again. You know, people were buying 45 jerseys. That's the, you know, the 23 jersey came back out the closet. It's awesome. And then also that summer, he filmed Space Jam. And when he, and when he filmed Space Jam that summer, he played basketball at night with some of the greatest players in, in, in the history of the game. He got himself to peak condition. Also, he got a chance to spy on those players and see what they did best. Mike, Mike created the whole theory of playing with others to get better. You know, LeBron tried to do it. I'm going to work out with Kevin Durant. But at the same time, Mike worked out with Kevin Durant and all his friends all summer. So he stole from them pretty much what they were good at. He knew all their habits and all their instincts. He played with them all summer. They set themselves up for that 72-10 season. 
<laughs> and that's the reason, you know, they won 72 games that year and because Mike already was breaking guys down during the summer. He was mentally abusing guys in the summer, and they carried over into the regular season that year. And then he also got revenge on Orlando and Horace. You know, Hole Grant, as I like to call him, he got revenge on Hole Grant. You know, he <laughs> he put that 72-10 on him, and he swept Orlando that year in the playoffs, and they went on to win that fourth NBA title. It was just, you know, it was awesome. I mean, because, you know, Michael, the, the predecessor, the summertime bully and the summertime fake friend of you, <laughs> I don't think he was fake friend. I mean, he was just beating the hell out of him. He, he, he abused them all, all fall as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to move on for this and just say, hey, shout out to Nick Anderson. Thank you for bringing, bringing back the beast. We appreciate you. Too bad you won the championship. You could have had something, but you messed with Michael, and that's what happened. All right, I'm going to turn this over to Jules right now and give us your final thought. Oh, man, in Episode 7, Mike talked about his dreams of playing baseball, even though he was the best basketball player in the world. Mike said a lot of people said this was off the wall. And maybe it is. I'm doing something I choose, you know, I'm doing something I choose to do and try to follow my dreams that I had since I was a kid. So Mike chased after his dreams. And for one, for one season with hard work and discipline, Mike batting average was 202 and he drove in 50 runs. He was 31 years old at the time and had not played baseball since he was a kid. Coach was saying Mike was better than other players that have been playing the game since they since all their lives. And then you had some people saying Mike was an embarrassment to the league. No matter what, no matter what people said, he still fulfilled his dreams. Basketball went, baseball went on strike, and Mike came back to basketball, and the rest is history. I say that to say this. Dreams are not just for Michael Jordan. Greatness is not this beautiful, elusive, only for the selected, this godlike feature that only special among us will ever encounter. Dreams are for everyone. For those who are giving up on their dreams, revisit it. And for the youth, if someone ever told you to give up on your dreams, don't. Without vision, people will perish. And without courage and inspiration, dreams die. And the words you're about to hear is a paraphrase quote from Les Brown. It inspired me to go after my dreams and I pray that it would motivate you to do the same. Now, I don't know what type of dreams you have, the dreams you've been holding on to, but it's possible. Some of you already know this, but it's hard. It's not easy. It's hard changing your life. That the process of waiting on your dreams, you're going to come across a lot of disappointments, a lot of failure, a lot of pain. When those moments arrive, you're going to, go, you're going to doubt yourself. For those of you who have experienced hardship, don't give up on your dreams. Rough times our times are going to come, but they have not come to stay. They have come to pass. Remember, everybody won't see your vision. Everybody won't join you in your dream. Someone's, someone's opinion of you 
don't have to become your reality. You don't have to go through life being the victim. You have to know within yourself that I can do this, even if no one else see it for me. I must see it for myself. So for our followers and listeners in our Pulling Back the Curtain podcast family, it's important to know that you're the one. So don't give up on your dreams. Go after it because it's yours. Thank you. Press. Thank you, Jules. Hey, Novak, great curtain call, man. Only thing I have to add on that is uh, Nick Anderson, thank you. And uh, you need to work on your free throws, brother. Um, <laughs> Never too late. Never too late, bro. Never too late. Well, episode 10, fellas, is in the books. It's a good one. We got one more, uh, two more episodes here of The Last Dance. So we'll be having one more of these recaps. We want to thank everybody for listening. As always, you can follow our podcast on Spotify. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcast. And you can also find this podcast on Red Circle. We are pulling back the curtain podcast. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.